Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davis and Heath Pierce. And today it's a very special episode because for the first time ever, we went on our Twitter, ISWT Pod, and asked the people if they had any questions for us. And we're going to answer those questions. If you have any right now, if you're watching on the YouTubes, you're watching us live, then drop those questions in the chat after you hit like and subscribe, of course. And make sure you hit subscribe on any podcast platform of your choice. But before we get there, our Charlie, I'll come to you first. Are you a little nervous for this one? Because there's some hard-hitting questions out there on the internet. I love it. I'm I'm ready for this. I'm more nervous about tonight in the under 20s, without Cade Cowan, the three game suspension. Yeah. I, I you know I have confidence in this group, but but I am a little nervous. That's what I'm more nervous about. Okay, little squeaky bum time from Charlie about the U20 semifinal <laughs> against Honduras. For everybody that doesn't know, if you're just tuning in for the very first time. The U.S. U-20s have to win this game in the semifinals of the CONCACAF Championship to automatically qualify for the Olympics. We have not done that in the last two iterations, and it's embarrassing. All right, Heath Pierce, you nervous for today, or it's no big deal because you're answering questions all the time? Uh, I'm a little bit nervous because, you know, I've I've thrown a few things out over or, since the start of In Soccer We Trust that I may be in the uh, crosshairs for a few attacks. <laughs> and so, Areola and your yeah. power ring. Sorry. Over West. Hey, hey, he's still a top. <laughs> he's still one of the top scores in MLS right now. Yes. We got to respect that. But is, uh, yeah, is. I, I'm I'm happy if someone wants to attack me today. It's Friday. You can't touch me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get to one of the first questions. And this one is from Samuel Cuts on mm-hmm. the Twitter, who says, "Would any of you like to see MLS slash Apple now, due to the Apple TV deal with MLS over the next ten years?" Have them decide to align seasons and markets, transfer windows, to create a Champions League-style tournament involving MLS, Liga MA Keys, uh, any current Champions League winners, European-based teams, and obviously South American teams, African teams. I feel like we have that in the FIFA Club World Cup in some capacity, but this is clear that Samuel wants to see a little bit more. So let's just take the first part of his question. And Heath, I'll go to you because you seem to be ready to go with a ton of confidence do you feel like MLS at some point should align their schedule with the rest of the world? Uh, I do think that's easier for as we're starting to see this model develop of of players being sold. It's a lot easier to sell a player in the summer than it is in the winter. If we're going to have this pipeline of, of young players coming through MLS, it should be better aligned with the European calendar. I think there's a lot of issues that come into the fact that we are three time zones as it is in the U.S. and multiple... Uh, seasons, yeah, where you know if you're going to play through, and and look, I I I would say the closest that I experienced was was in Denmark, where you took December, and then basically you didn't come back until late February to kick off the second half of your season. But that's a massive gap, and it was a weird weird thing. But that was the closest thing you could get if you're talking about Toronto and Vancouver and New England and other places where uh, you have extreme winters. Minnesota, you have extreme winters, and it's hard to to do that. But I think it would make sense. More than anything, I would say to answer that question, I think we are going to see a further alignment just generally with Liga Mekis that I could see uh, a merger at some point. Maybe, in, I mean, the next 10 years is a long time and I could see it happening somewhere in there, maybe towards the latter end of that. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see. We can maybe extrapolate on that topic a little bit later. But Chuck, I want to come to you about the schedule. I mean, we learned 
in World Cup qualifying that you can play in cold weather and get results if you really want to, right? You just put it in cold markets. Is if there... you really want to. If, if you, you really <laughs> want to. If like... you really want to get uh, frostbite, oh, yeah. sure. But, but what I wanted to – I feel like there is a chance. We've seen winter breaks, as, as Heath alluded to, and, and Germany has a pretty significant break in, between, you know, in, in the middle of their season. Could you not avoid – let's say you did like a four-week break. Okay, from from right before Christmas or whatever, you know, right right around there. Take four weeks. You can the, the teams can go to warm locales to do like their midseason training to make sure they're still staying relatively fit. And then when you come back, you you kind of load the schedule to be more in, in more uh, warmer climates, right? You're playing on the West Coast, you're playing in Texas, you're playing in Florida. And and then after it starts to I know it's still cold in these places in February, don't get me wrong, but but at least you take away some of that and you only maybe suffer for a month. It's, is that a real possibility or is this just MLS is MLS and this is just the schedule? Well, you're also taking you're not taking into to, um, context NFL, NBA, you know, the other sports in this country. That has always been a reason why MLS has played in the format it has also with the, the seasons. But you, you don't want to ever compete against the NFL. Really, it's a it's about you know maybe not so much now because the tv ratings with the apple deal but typically you 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 were trying to make sure that the casual sports fan will will come towards soccer because they'll have that option i think you can't play games it's not realistic to play games in montreal new england toronto vancouver minnesota new england columbus all those all, all those teams in january february it's just not it's really not I think conducive to the quality that we want to see. So, you know, you, you could argue that similar to what we saw during the pandemic do like an MLS is back tournament every year in February. So teams have to go down there and it's, they do that in Brazil. They do the regional sort of uh, league in Brazil before the mm -hmm. league kicks off. Yeah. Just like a a precursor to the, the follow the next season. And it's maybe a trophy at the end of it that could build the hype and then right into a, a season. So, I mean, that's probably the one idea that comes to mind. But what's I think interesting, it, though, with the tournament, though, they have the Leagues Cup, mm -hmm. right? We're doing the Leagues Cup. Now, I think it's happening. Who's hosting those games? I can't even I don't really even know the details, but the Leagues Cup. But for everybody that doesn't know, it's a separate tournament that's existing in the middle of an MLS season. And it's every single team in MLS and every single team in Mexico's top division going after it. And I love the competition. I, I love that there's going to be something meaningful to play for. Well, why not just move that to the winter and if play all those games, like you said, Chuck, into uh, in Orlando or in a warm climate, so we could play. I don't know. It's interesting. Hey, I, Jimmy, real quick on 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 that. The issue before was that I mean the the TV viewerships are really bad right now in Major League Soccer. Right, that's just the reality of it. They haven't built a national product. That's going to have to change. They're going to have to change the spending habits of teams or create some sort of reason for all three of us to watch a game play in, in, in some, for, for some reason, right. To, to get us to watch a game. But previously it was about inventory, television inventory. There was, there was nothing available, but now when you're going to a streaming platform, you're no longer competing with limited spots. Now you're competing with mindshare and, and, and people's time and interests and, and other things. So you're competing naturally with other sports. But even when we had our own season of the year for major league soccer, it wasn't working. So when you go to a streaming platform, you can play at any time. You can pick a day of the week that you want to, you know, you could, you could say you want to play all your matches on Fridays um, and, and own a day for things like there's a, creative ways that I think you can start to compete with or compete in the calendar for, for other leagues. You're not going to obviously take away or beat uh, NFL or anything like that, but because you're on a streaming platform, it does give you some other capabilities to be able to, 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 to test things uh, differently than trying to slot in for a 7:30 PM marquee spot on, on a, on a, on a cable network. No, well, what we're going to see is Wednesday-Saturday games. I think they've come out and already said they're going to try to establish that rhythm of Wednesday-Saturday. Everybody's going to know when the games are being played, and they want to have the games going at the same time because they want to create whip-around shows, which is going to create that intrigue that I think you're talking about, which I think is really smart. But on top of that, I don't think we get enough stories about MLS players, Chuck. Right? If, if there's something incredibly significant that mm -hmm. kind of goes outside of the sport, then maybe it gets some of that love. But Outside of that, they, I don't know if we always are making these guys that play in these leagues who have tremendous stories to have gotten to where they've gotten and, and really making them heroes, right? Yeah. We don't know a lot we're about not, their backgrounds. And I wonder if that is, is that going to be enough? I mean, they have they have to fill that void at some point. So There's going to be a ton of content, Jimmy, no doubt. MLS is going to be 
in charge of pr producing these shows, these content pieces uh, to fill all of that, that space. There's going to be, and there's going to, it's almost going to be endless. You're going to be jammed. Content's going to be jammed down your throat. I guess it, it, it comes down to making sure that there's a, a really good product around your players off the pitch. Cause you, that's what you're trying to sell is, wow, these are incredible people. Yes, they're awesome and athletes and they entertain you, but look what they're doing for the community. Look what they're doing, um, you know, to help others. That That is what we hope these shows are and, and show their personality because yeah, yeah. We, we don't want them to just be robots on the pitch, right? Yeah. No, I, I feel like there, there's room for a magazine show like NBA Inside Stuff or This Week in Baseball. And, and I don't know if they've ever really... They used to have it. I remember Rob Stone used to host something on ABC and ESPN back in the day where it was like a weekly magazine show and and uh, they just never stayed committed to those types of ideas. And now I'm hopeful with the type of budget and money that they're getting from Apple and obviously the creativity and, and brand recognition of Apple. There'll be a little bit more respect for that type of stuff that they're producing. Now let's uh, pivot to somebody who had a question, Heath, in... Actually, you know what? I'm going to go back to Charlie on this because it's a resident number nine question. If P. Falk performs well at Union Berlin, do you think he gets the number nine role for the World Cup? And I'm just going to go out there and add, do you think he'll get the starting role? Yeah, I was I was Cup? just about to say, if he goes out and performs well at Union Berlin, he will be in the World Cup roster, uh, in the squad, no doubt. Now, is he the starting nine? That's up for debate because he still has to develop on both sides of the ball. He has to be able to incorporate more, I guess, uh, incorporate more into his game, whether it's running, uh, you know, deep behind the line, whether it's, you know, being able to play as a, as a, as a pivot playing one, two, being able to combine, hold up play. He needs to be able to do all that besides score goals. If, if he can show that he's, he has a little bit more to his game, then for sure he'll be starting in the world cup. That being said that Jesus Ferreira doesn't keep progressing and keep doing his thing. Cause right now he's the one striker. Yeah, that's uh, I like that. That's good insight. And Heath, do you agree? Do you feel like if he crushes it, let's say he gets 10 goals in the first couple months of playing for Union Berlin, which is still that's a lot. It's a lot to ask of any player. But but let's just say he gets to that type of level. Do you think he's an automatic starter or because there seems to be some reluctance from Greg Verhalter to use him because he's not doing maybe some of the intangibles that Greg really likes from that number nine position and maybe Jesus Ferreira, though he's still, to Charlie's point, he's still got to be playing well. He can't just hand it to him, right? He's got to, still got to earn it. But but do you think that Ferreira still would have the inside track? Look, I I, I put this back on to, to go to my time playing with Charlie. Char it depends on what Greg sees as the potential of Jordan Pifok. If he sees that there is an upside to him or that is there is a true trajectory that he can go on to, be, to go from being the player that he knows him as to now he's in a new environment, competitive, and now Jordan Pifok believes he can be at another level, then for sure, because we saw that again with Charlie, right? Charlie, uh, what would what, what you have, like 12, 13 matches, Charlie, before you had really found your, your former, mm -hmm. been in the national team pool for a couple of years before you had really then it like lined up with performances, club environment, national team environment, self-confidence, the belief of the manager of the national team, and all of a sudden you go from being like, hey, this guy is a budding star to will we see this unrealized potential come to fruition to being like, that guy has to be on the field every single time you're going to play. And I think that's hard to that's hard to uh, equate, and that's just a matter of that some of that's on Jordan Pifak, but some of that's on Greg Berhalter believing in Jordan Pifak's ability to now sort of get over this what I think is a ceiling that Greg sees and, and become another player. And I think you mix all that into a special sauce and obviously uh, you, you could, that, that could happen whether or not like, like Charlie talked about those four or five, six, seven things he's got to add to his game or continue to develop in his game, whether that all comes together in this amount of time is, is to be determined. Charlie's was a quick turn. Uh, so it is possible. And, and this new environment could do that, but you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, I'm throwing a lot of ingredients into that uh, recipe to make that happen. Well, confidence is a hell of a drug. I think we can start there. And if Absolutely. you've got players that are feeling fantastic about themselves, it's going to be really hard to not include them in the team for sure. But de the starting lineup, especially against the particular opponents, I mean, there could be a, a narrative that Gray could build around, I'm going to start Ferreira no matter how Fox playing because I think he's a better fit against Wales or whatever it may be. And he's going to have to deal with the repercussions of those decisions. But that's what you get paid to do. You got to go in there and make the, the tough decisions. Another player I think that's kind of in that same conversation is Brendan Aronson. 
Now, Brendan Aronson, we know, has booked this ticket to, to go, but if he blows up at Leeds in the Premier League, now you're is he going to push a Giorena, a Giorena out of out of a position to start? Is he going to push out a Timo Weah, who's been good for us, you know, or anybody else? So this kind of leads into the next question. I think this is a good one, Charlie. I'll come to you on this, yeah. and then I'll answer it and throw it to Heath. Transfer rumor that you wished would have happened so far for one of our players. I mean, Pulisic, as Jack Zach Steffen looks like he's on the move. He's going to get some minutes mm-hmm. in the championship, so that's a good thing. It is a good thing. Although I, I, I wish he was taking a move to a, a, a first division club outside of England, a top division club. For instance, going to the Bundesliga, I think that would have been a great uh, move or a Liga instead of the championship. The championship is a grind. But at the end of the day, you need to go to a place where you're going to play. So, And, and compete. But, like I think, right. I think they're a team that's actually going to push to try to get promoted again. And I think that type of pressure is important as well. Not to say that him going to Fortuna Dusseldorf or wherever – isn't going to be the same, but they're kind of fighting relegation. Whereas I think Middlesbrough will going to be a, a club that is going to be pushing to try to get promoted the following season. The, ambi- the ambition is different, you know. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Tyler Adams to, to Leeds. That's being floated right now as a loan. That is a perfect loan. What a, what what a, a massive coup that would be for Jesse Marsh if, if he were able to bring Tyler Adams on a loan because you're saving a lot of money at the same time and and. He's going to be getting those competitive matches. Going to a manager that trusts you and knows what to get out of you and, and knowing that you fit right into that system, that would be a, a dream move because now our six, who we know is our six, whether he's playing, starting every match for RB Leipzig or coming in as he has, that's going to be a, a competition that's going to raise his level. And that's also going to help us massively in a World Cup, especially when he's, we're going to be playing England. He's, he would have seen a majority of their players in, in that first uh, six months uh, of competition. Yeah, I like that one. I think Tyler Adams is interesting, especially because Calvin Phillips from Leeds might be on the move to Manchester City. I think that's getting close to being done. Rafinha is another, not that they play the same position, but it's another area where, all right, you're missing out on some midfielders. Brendan Aronson can can maybe fill some of that void of, of Rafinha, but... With regard to Calvin Phillips, I think Tyler Adams could slot in there. And obviously, having a coach that you know, that trusts you, you have a rapport with, is going to make that transition a little bit easier. But from a Jesse Marsh perspective, I don't know if you can just recruit every single one of your American players to come to the team. I think Sergio Nadez was floated out there as well. Yeah. Even but at least those two are, are Red Bull system. So, like, they're going to slot in. If Jesse's trying to play a gig and press or a high press or a counter pressing system, you're going to bring in Tyler. He's going to know it right away. And Tyler's going to lead the way through the midfield. Brendan Aronson's going to know it right away. And he's going to lead from, from a, a higher line. And now you've got two players that you have to worry less about on whatever system you're mm-hmm. going to play. Now, I think that's to the detriment, again, of, of Tyler and, and Brendan Aronson of playing in a more in more diverse systems that they can help them develop as players. But it's going to make them a hell of a lot better as a team to have two players that know exactly what Jesse wants and the philosophy of the way Jesse or the Red Bull system plays. And, and, and I would add that it is a loan. It's, it's not a purchase. So you have more yeah, flexibility true. when you loan a player. And I would also say in, in regards to, to Brendan Aronson, if he's playing and he's delivering and he's producing at Leeds and Timo Weah is not playing or he's not producing at Lille, I think that forces Greg Greg's hand right there. And same thing with Gio Reyna. The only person in that front three – that has a solidified spot is Christian Pulisic, regardless if he's playing every match or if uh, you know he doesn't score, doesn't produce. He will be starting in the World Cup. That's by the, given. By the way, that's my that's my transfer that I wish would have happened. Not that it hasn't yet. Is Timo Weah to leave Lille yeah. and get into a situation? I don't know if it's Valencia. I don't really you know that would be great. It could be somebody else, but just mm-hmm. Timo Weah leaving uh, Lille, I think. Would but be, it's it's been good for him though. Uh, yeah. You know, he, yes. You hope that he plays more. That's that would be the expectation this year. And they still haven't sold Jonathan David, which is also kind of a that confuses me because he's 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 been brilliant for them and for the Canadian national team. I think if he left, that would really give. Uh, the problem is they want eighty million for him. I think is probably yeah. the, the the issue at the moment with the market. But um, I, you know, I, I I expect him to play this year maybe not at the the striker position but as the at the right midfield position right winger which we've seen him play at Lille so if he's playing I'm happy but again if we see what we saw from last year a lot of turnover then I'm with Heath he he, he I wish uh, he would have made a move there's there's a couple other players and a team away is a good shout because 
you just want to make sure that he's starting to become the guy at Leo. And if he's not, can he find another situation where he can? Because we're going to, we put that type of responsibility on him for the national team. And we want him to be as know, comfortable with that responsibility as possible. So the more games he can get at the club level, it's just going to help transfer to the national team. Luca De La Torre is very interesting for me. Obviously got relegated with Heracles in the era of VC. He's already been, or come out and said that uh, Heracles has given him an opportunity to transfer somewhere else. Where is he going to end up? He could he could end up p- proving to be pretty pivotal for us in some moment, maybe as a super sub or maybe against an Iran team where we need a result. We know we're going to have a lot of possession and we need that guy that's going to link us up. I feel like he's going to have an important role to play at some point in this tournament. So we need him to be playing at a high level as well. I think obviously that the elephant in the room is Christian Pulisic. Now with Todd Bowley and the American ownership group that came in, they're not going to sell the prized American jewel for sure, but is he going to play and should he make a move? It, it, that's an interesting one. I don't think they're going to let him go. So it's all kind of conjecture at this point, but, but uh, the Pulisic situation is definitely one to keep an eye on because Tuchel, he seems to have already made his mind up as the manager of Chelsea, Thomas Tuchel of who he is and what he's about and, and gives him like this limited trust. Sometimes he trusts him completely, but then he like, then, ah, well, whatever. I'm just going to sit him for a couple of games. I'm going to try a different combination of my front three and, and Christian's that part of it. And, and it's really frustrating, uh, I think, as, as fans, because we really want to see Christian just take off and, and uh, really hit that next level, which I think we all can see that he has. And he's shown glimpses of it, of course. All right, let's... Uh, oh, wait, wait. This, this, one, this one is for uh, Jimmy. Do you guys have a different standard for Euro players that is higher than MLS players? Also, why does it seem that you guys stay silent when MLS players perform poorly for the national team? Jimmy, does Jimmy feel an allegiance to them as being a fellow MLS lifer? Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I'll raise my hand, and I think I've said it before, that there's some bias there. I mean, when when I had only MLS experience, I did play for Lech Poznan in Poland uh, on loan for five or six months. But outside of that experience, most of it was, was in, 95% of it was in MLS. So I just feel like I might swing hard the other way because there seems to be so much anti MLS sentiment online in particular that for the most part, I don't, I don't swing too hard the other and, and, and say that they don't have a right to, to, to feel that way for whatever reason, but, but they need to know where I'm coming from as well. And as, and as a player that played in a world cup and held my own with only MLS experience, I'm living proof that you don't have to go play in Europe to hold your own at the highest level. And Clint Dempsey was another one in the 2006 world cup where he only had MLS experience and also showcased that he's capable of playing at a high level. So I just don't blindly buy into that. And I do know that we're going to rely on a few players. Uh, Walker Zimmerman's probably one in particular who is going to step up and be a guy for us that, that we can trust. And he's going to go out there and make plays. Is he going to be a 10 out of 10? No, but he's going to give you that seven or eight out of 10 mm-hmm. every single time time. And he's going to make everything like his decision-making is very consistent. And it's easier when you have other guys around you that know, ah, I know I'm going to get this out of Walker. And I need to be here to support him and whatever, all that good stuff. So I think yes. I, I would say every player is different. I mean, Heath was in the same boat as, as as I was. You you've played in Europe, you play in MLS. In Europe, you can never be comfortable. You're always pushed. In MLS, I don't care what anyone says. There are players who are untouchable. You you can play bad, you can you can train bad, and you're still gonna play. That's it. That's the bottom line. In Europe, that does not happen. If, if you are not playing well, if you're not performing well, you're disrespecting the team or the coach, you're out. You're out. Mm-hmm. I've seen players do that countless times. And I think when we're judging players, we we do have a higher standard for, for players in Europe because of that level of, of competition day in and day out that you can't get in MLS. I don't care what anyone says. You're not getting that day in and day out. Unless, now, unless what I, what you I, are individually pushing yourself. But I'm saying you, you can, you can standard, push which yourself. I think, which I think me and Clint were. Uh, yeah, but I'm just but saying, I'm saying the you, people you you're playing that. against, the people yeah. you're playing against are, are not. You can't count on every other player in, in the squad who's playing for that paycheck the same way it, it happens in MLS. What, 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 yeah, what, what, what I would wanted to add in, into that is that it, it's a fluid conversation because the bias – uh, I, I do hold a player to a higher standard in, in Europe for sure. But at the same time, if a player's in Europe, he's not getting a free pass. If he's not playing, if he's not in the right environment, like if Timo Weah doesn't play for six months, it's not because he's at Lille that he gets a free pass over a Paul Areola. That's no. going to come down to performances. And, and, and I, do, I, I do understand both sides because I played in, in, in Europe and I played in, in MLS. 
but you know, I, it is a more high pressured environment and Jimmy is an example or an exception to the rule of being, having to push himself because he had his own standards and his own goals to, 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 to achieve. And you push yourself to do that. Europe, you get pushed and you have to have that same motivation as, as you're kind of getting hit with some of that resistance. So there is something different, but at the same time, I'm not going to blindly just say any player in Europe gets, gets no, a, a, that, a step above an MLS player. Uh, because because they're in Europe because you go where you got to go and you play yeah. where you got to play and and if you're not playing in Europe or if if you're not playing in MLS or whatever it is we saw this Ricardo Pepe like he was a the superstar now didn't play didn't score whatever now he's fallen down he's not getting the free pass and I went out on a limb and said all kinds of incredible things about Ricardo Pepe but he I'm I'm not going to carry that to to, to my and, grave and uh, Landon Donovan's a perfect example too of uh, with with Jimmy you know you you go over it didn't work out. You're seen as a failure. You come back, you play every game. Now, every player is different. In Landon's case, we always knew he was gifted from, from, the, from when he was 16. But he needed to be happy. He wasn't happy in Europe. He wasn't happy with being pushed. He wasn't happy being uncomfortable. Uh, some players, you grow and you develop from being uncomfortable, and that pushes you to new heights. Some other players, it doesn't work that way. And so I, I think it is. It, it, it depends on player to player, right? It's, it's, it's really... Okay, does this how is this player going to develop? Is this player happy? Is this does this player need support around him to grow? A lot of cases you they don't and and that's the only way you're going to get pushed, but there are cases where that's the right move for them to be home, to be around family, to be around friends, to be playing every week. That allowed Landon to be at his best. Now people will argue all day that if he stayed in Europe and found the right situation, he would have been even better than he was, which is hard hey. to imagine cuz he was incredible I, what i'll say track. really quickly about landon is is there are players that that don't do well in europe or struggle there come to mls and they're okay right and they they're they're good i'm not going to take anything away from that but at least landon came back and was a winner like that guy won shit you know and and i can't say that for a lot of other guys that have come back and and had that type of impact which really speaks to his talent of course and now when he did Very have good. a stint, though, when he played in Bayern, when he played at Everton, like you can see that he can help hold his own at the highest levels. But to Charlie's point, there has to be a level of comfort for him. I got I, he was my teammate with San Jose, and and I know how he's wired. And 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 if he's not if he's not at peace off the field, it's not going to show how happy he is on the field. And and that's the version of Landon Donovan that you want to play with. Well, one thing I wanted to add is just from a perception standpoint. I was with Jim Lawler uh, last week, and Jim Lawler just left his post of being there like almost 20 years at Manchester United. He was most recently, he left this summer, uh, the head of scouting for Manchester United. And what he was talking about is flex, more... Flex, flex, yeah, flex. Yeah, huge flex. Uh, and, and huge flex. Um, but I was with... I was with Artie Piper, too. That's what I thought you were talking about. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, anyways, to get back on the subject, uh, he was talking about... And, and and I don't fully agree with this. He was talking about how he still looks at the American player that is coming up in these environments, and it's slowly changing, but it's not there yet, where they don't feel the pressure, you know, because you're a young player, you're a top player, whatever, coming into an MLS team, there's still this lack of pressure being trained through these really stressful environments, which I think can be, I mean, you look at mental health, you look at all these issues, you look at just the spun out, we, we're, we're, we're obsessed with this idea of like, you know, players cutting their teeth or having to rough it to make it. All these weird things we're obsessed with. But nobody talks about, like, the non-successful stories, the 99% of these kids around the world that end up in really bad scenarios because this is all they had or they gave everything to one thing and it didn't work. So that's a whole other conversation. But he was talking about there's still this lack of, like, grit to the player, this ability to handle pressure or come through pressure environments that he's not seeing holistically. Now, there are some players and exceptions and things like that, but that was one of his comments. And I don't fully agree because I think it, these players are coming through more professional environments now with MLS academies. And most of these players that are in Europe, take out Serginho Des and Christian Pulisic, are having routes or pathways that are developing them to the point that they feel it's time for them to go, including Gio Reyna, including Tyler Adams, including Weston McKinney. McKinney. Like, you know, the whole, the, most of them are now going to have some sort of story that is connected back to Major League Soccer's development system. And I think that's a positive. And whether they end up staying in MLS or going abroad, I think that's an important factor. You know, what's ironic is that our national team for the longest time was just known for grit. And that we used to get comments and we'd hear from other national team players, international players, 
that they didn't like playing against the U.S. because you always knew it was going to be a fight because they were up for the adversity. They could deal with the challenges and, and they would make it hard for you to play. That was kind of what we were known for. And, 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 and I'm glad we've evolved from that and that we can actually get or at least be respected and the perceptions change that we can actually get the ball on the ground and play a little bit. But, but I don't want to lose the grit part of it either because that was something that a lot of teams and players used to respect about that. That's interesting comments there from uh, what was he? The WWF? Jerry the King Lawler. <laughs> Jerry, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the nature boy Ric Flair said that from Manchester United. That's interesting. Oh, no, Hollywood I, Hulk Hogan. That's, I, I, I mean, I don't know. There's a part of me that wants to get defensive. Like, I don't know about the young players you've been producing lately, pal, but, uh, but I, I get that. Um, especially Manchester United perspective. But I would say that it, it's interesting that that perception is still with our players. It felt like we had a, we broke through a glass ceiling from a goalkeeper position, right? We've been doing that for many, many years with Brad Friedel and Casey mm -hmm. and, and Tim and, and Marcus Hanneman and all these guys. And then we started to break through with some other players. And now it seems like... I'd say with Bob Bradley is when, it, it at least the way I felt, when I was coming out of college, it felt that... Bob Bradley was if you wanted a chance with the national team, you had to be tested and you had to go to Europe if that if you had that opportunity. And it felt like the majority of the team was in Europe. Right. And I felt like that was that was the big change at that moment from MLS to Europe. Now, the problem I mean, I guess the problem is that now MLS has improved mightily from from that time. So you can still go to MLS now because if MLS was the qual has the quality it does now that it did uh, when we were playing. Man, I don't think there'd be so many people going to Europe and, and playing in Sweden and playing in Denmark. Like but if you're Sweden 18, I you're competing for a spot in MLS. If you're 17, 18, 19, you're competing for a starting spot. Now, yes. if you're 24, 25, you're probably a sure starter if you're an MLS lifer or if you're in the national team, you're not competing for a starting spot, I would guess. But if you're 17, 18, 19, you're competing with somebody they brought but, but in. That's or, good. You know, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's a good, it's a good situation for a lot of these players. Mm -hmm. All right. This has been a scintillating conversation, as I like to say here on In Soccer We Trust. But we're going to take our first and only break. And when we return, we're going to answer more and more of your questions. Don't go anywhere. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to In Soccer. We trust some Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies and Hollywood Heath Pierce. And it is mailbag day. So make sure you hit like and subscribe if you haven't already. Turn on those notifications as well if you're watching on YouTube and hit that subscribe button on any podcast platform of your choice. You get the good stuff three times a week, sometimes more if there are games going on. Now we've answered some of your questions. Let's pivot a little bit towards us, guys. So I'm going to go to you, Charlie, first. What's your favorite story from a time everyone went out after a game to celebrate a victory or let off some steam? On an earlier pod, it was oh, referenced boy. that Heath Pierce used to be a menace back in the day. But I'll start with Charlie first. What's your favorite story from from after after party? Heath will love this one. Um, so we're in Chicago and we're playing Honduras. And so this was just prior to going to uh, South Africa for the Confederations Cup. So okay. I get I get called in and, you know, I'm excited. My agent at the time, uh, Lyle Yorks. And we just um, took a beating, by the way, from Costa Rica. Uh, things are tense. Yeah, thing, things were <laughs> tense. Uh, we was 3-1. We got shellac. I think it was 3-0. Yeah, so, yeah. might have been 3-0. Yeah. So, you know, that was quite the experience. So we, we, we fly to Chicago and my agent, Lyle Yorks, calls me and says, Hey, Charlie, um, Bochum from the Bundesliga is coming to watch you play. 
wow. they're really interested. I said, oh my God, okay, gotta gotta be ready. I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna come off the bench. Hopefully, you know, I impress. I don't play. I'm like, oh my God. And I and I met the scout earlier. Um, and and one of the, the people from the front office. So I just said, Oh, I'm sorry I didn't get to play. And that's like, nope, no worries. We'll have plenty of time. So uh chances to watch you play. So then after the game, we win, everyone's excited. We head out to uh underground in Chicago, the whole team. And I was I was just like, Oh my god, this is this is what it's about, the whole team coming together. So we're all hanging out and, you know, B, this is Bees' town. This is Bees' city. This is where he, <laughs> he started playing. So he had the hookup. Every, we're all set. I turn around and I see like kind of like a big circle and it's Frankie Hayduk and he's got his, gla- <laughs> he's got his glasses on and he's like, yeah, dude. <laughs> um, and, and everyone was just together. I turn around, I see Landon dancing and I, I just thought, wow this is a team and uh i'm just i was just super proud at that moment to to be together with everybody all right that's that a nice Lu- sweet sweet ending go ahead it might have been a different night but i'm pretty sure luul dang and his brother were there that night i, I uh, remember something specific uh, uh, also, there was I'll like a, throw a little in, bit of a fight or something that almost went down i didn't see night. a fight but i did also yeah. see drake was coming in to to, nice, to nice. the building and uh oh jr smith because he, he was playing at the Bulls at the time. So I was like, oh, my God, this place is crazy. And <laughs> I, another story I'll throw in is one of my first national team camps. We all went to dinner. Uh, it might have been Fogo de Chao. 16 players at the table, maybe 16, 18. And the bill comes. And you play credit card roulette? Yeah, credit card roulette. Oh, I think, my I think God. The bill, I think the bill was 1600 And I was one of the four left. So I, I made the semis. And Marvell win. <laughs> gets picked <laughs> and marvell was like <laughs> oh, i i uh just to piggyback that and i'll let you go heath my first ever like we went to gold cup and we're in seattle for the first game it's before my first cap and there's eight of us that went out to like a really really nice steakhouse and we played credit card roulette and at that point pam perkins who was the team administrator team mom she was like the real mvp of of u.s soccer the men's national team behind the scenes oh yeah she she gives out like like this envelope it's like drug money it's like thick you get like this 800 dollars, you know for your per diem for the first two weeks or something i'm like god damn i'm on this is amazing i want to come to the national team more and i go and i lose credit card roulette and i basically have to hand over my 800 dollars to pay for mm. the food absolutely brutal but uh yeah credit card roulette can get a little dangerous all right he take it away yeah i can't remember if it was a credit card roulette if it was confederations cup or the nelson mandela challenge we did in south africa that gooch was one of the last two and it was table it was the team staff security i mean it was like a wedding table right like it went it went all the way down the street and it was i remember gooch was one of the last two and then he didn't lose and i remember him making this massive scene where he was just running around the table, screaming, yelling, like running out of the restaurant. I can't remember what it was, but I remember it being, I, I think um, that was DC to be honest. Was it DC? I think so. No, I mean, there was one that we were definitely out of the country. I can't remember which, which one it was. It may have been, may have been DC. Well, I, I wasn't in, I wasn't in DC. So, uh, it, went, it had to have been a different one for me. Um, but was it South Africa, I remember South Africa being one. Yeah. I remember. So you were one of the final four then? Yeah. And so was... Mar lost that one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Marvel, dude. I remember he got in trouble for for uh, for uh, tweeting something about having a front row seat to the Confederations Cup. <laughs> and Bob, <laughs> Bob being mad about that. But my story, my, this story is, is less so a night out. Is like, you know, for context, we used to come in uh, during qualifiers. And a lot of times you're based out of Miami on, I think it was like the north side or south side of Miami. I can't remember what hotel we were it at. Was, but it, it was Coconut the, Grove. Is that Coconut what it was? Grove, Coconut Mayfair. Grove. Yeah. Coconut Grove. Mayfair. So Coconut Grove. So when you're in a double fixture date, you get with Bob, you would get Tuesday. Tuesday you would have before your 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 Friday game or maybe it was Monday. Um, you would have lunch, breakfast, training, lunch with the team, and then you'd have a midnight curfew. So, you know, guys would go out and do their thing throughout the day. I'll leave a lot of the details out, but they would go <laughs> yeah. and enjoy themselves from, from lunchtime to, to midnight. So I remember there's like everybody out doing their thing. Everybody's connecting with each other, texting, where's everybody at? You know, we're, we're at a couple swimming pools, the beach, whatever. And then midnight's coming quick. And I'm with a few of the guys and we're like, we got to go. So we jump into a taxi and we are bolting back to, because like, 
Bob waited in the lobby for, for curfew and Bob would have Mike Sorber sometimes like they were, you know, reading the newspaper in the lobby, just being like, Oh Peter yeah, Novak. yeah. Peter Novak <laughs> doing room checks. No uh, trust. By yeah. The way. That always yeah. bummed me out. So yeah, it, it was, it was kind of a bummer, but like, you know, we were also kind of, uh, you know, whatever. So uh, we get sprinting back. We're like, dude, we got like three minutes. We get back. If you've ever watched like an organized, if you've ever watched like those, this is bad context, but like those terrorist movies where like the three or four cars pull up at the same time to do something, some damage, the doors all open at the same time. That's what it's like. But I'm only with two people. We pull up in the cab, throw the doors open. We're like sprinting to get back into this hotel. When I, when we get out of the cab, we look left and right. And there's like three other groups sprinting full speed from whatever they were doing to get into this hotel. So we're rushing into the hotel, open the door, we get inside and there's Bob and it's 1159. And there's Bob and his guys just sitting right in the lobby of this Coconut Grove Hotel. So we all pile into this elevator, and it's just silent. Everybody's like, good night, good night, good night, good night, good night. And, you know, and, and it's like at least 10 people now, you know, maybe even more. We all pile into this elevator. And if you knew the camaraderie of obviously this group back in those days, it was like always in a, a kind of like together at all costs. Oh, it was tight. As soon as that door closes – the whole elevator erupts screaming, <laughs> basically taunting Bob and Mike Sorber who are in the lobby. And we're all cheering, jumping up and down, singing songs, knowing that everybody had come from uh, uh, whatever they were up to, whatever they were doing on their time off to beat curfew by a minute, to, to get inside the elevator and then celebrate knowing that we had beat the system. It was one of my favorite moments of the group, knowing that like, you know, on the other side of that elevator wall was Bob and, and, and his staff sitting in the lobby uh you know trying to catch us out after midnight and everybody just cheers like cheered as if we had just won a game it was a, it was a, it was a big win for the boys that night okay that's a good one i like that i'm going to i'm going to give a bitter bitter bob story where there was a lot going on of course and and it was after we had qualified for the 2010 world cup we had gone down to honduras and got that result against honduras there oh, what an epic, epic moment epic unbelievable it was you know you get back on a plane right after so you don't get a proper celebration but we were going to go back to dc and play costa rica now in the midst of that week charlie was a little bit hurt and that's when he had the crazy ass and super sad car accident so that was always you know we were concerned about him but prior to that happening Oguchi Yewu had set up this big, big, like, we're going to go out, boys. You know, after the Costa Rica game, we're going to go out. We're going to do our thing. Now, in that Costa Rica game, Aguch hurts his knee pretty significantly, but doesn't. we don't really know the extent of it at that point. But a couple days, honestly, I'm going to rewind it back. He's like, hey, everybody, let's, everybody puts in 250 bucks, and I'm going to get, like, the, like, bottle service, all this stuff. And so, as... The night approached, you know, we were obviously still kind of in shock about Charlie and, and still in shock about Gucci's knee as that happens. Everybody's still like, we're going to go, go. We got to go party to all the reasons that you're saying this camaraderie within the group. And, and let's go celebrate. Charlie would want us to do this and, and really took that energy and went out there. So everybody put in a shit ton of money, right? We, we finally get in the bus. We show up at the club at 1245 a.m. And we sit there, we get bottle service, and they kick us out 15 minutes later because it's closing time at 1 a.m. I'm like, God damn you, Gooch. Oh, give, me no. my money. give me my money back, dude. Oh, no. I mean, it was all good, and it, was, it makes for an amazing story. But uh, I think it's always super funny that I've actually, one, never reapproached that with Gooch because I'm always scared of what he's going to say to me in return. <laughs> like, dude, shut up, you know? Or, or uh, and, and I just kind of had to eat it. But I always thinking, like, dude, what happened there? Why wouldn't they? Let's, let's leave Gooch out of it now. Why wouldn't the club just keep, like, it's the U.S. men's national team that's qualified for a World Cup. Let us keep it open for another hour, you know? It's not, yeah, I, I think, Gooch, about that I think well. Gooch pocketed the, pocketed that cash. I'm not going to yeah. lie. <laughs> he, 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 he got a new watch. I think he got a new watch, like, <laughs> yeah. that next week. Uh, we got to get him on the show. I want him to answer, <laughs> uh, answer this question. But uh, ultimately, that was from Jack Richardson on Twitter. Thank you, Jack, for, for that, and thank you for the follow. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, make sure you do so, ISWT pod all right got some other questions here this is uh which player on the current u.s men's national team reminds you most of yourself heath i'll go to you for i'll make mine quick walker zimmerman because we're both kind of quote unquote late bloomers he's gonna be 29 when the world cup kicks off that's when i played in my world cup i kind of now it was like a now or never thing i can see that urgency in the way that he plays and of course he plays the same exact position so uh, i can see that even though he has only mls experience like just like me uh, that he can still go out there and hold his own. And, and uh, I see a lot of that in me. All right, Heath, go ahead. Um, I mean, it's, it, 
it's it's hard as as a left fullback because there's really only one. But Anthony Robinson, in terms of his skill sets, I think are similar to mine in terms of where I was when I was in the national team. You know, I had I had I had pace. I could cover ground. Pretty average at crossing the ball. Things like that. Where I was always looking to. You know, when I first came in, I was next to Eddie Lewis a lot, trying to like just see how he crossed the ball and just sort of take in the quality of her, around me to try to develop these other parts of my game. Because even going back to whether it was. Uh, Copenhagen or whether it's in the Bundesliga to like figure out how if I got in one behind one time behind the back line how can I put in a ball that was going to win us a game and those are the things that that I see when I look at Anthony Robinson he's got those sort of he's got the engine he's got the fight he's got all the things that that I had too as a player but still has lacking in some of those things even though I considered myself an attacking fullback I still lacked some of that final product uh, a lot of times that um, even though I did end up having I think six assists with the national team over my career I always knew that I could have done better and done more been more of a complete player and I feel like at the point that he's at it's he's the only option but he's also one that I think um, is is, oh uh, is that just kills you? Keith had pace. <laughs> Don't oh remember that. Hey, Heath was he, Heath all, was quick off the box. I was I was I was sub quick. I was sub eleven hundred meters since the time I was in strides. middle school. Yeah, he had those like long you, strides. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. He didn't have the quick. quads, we'll, but we'll have you know. your back. No, Charlie yeah, had the quads. I, I definitely got your back. All right, so Charlie, we got me, Walker, Anthony Robinson with Heath. How about you? There's only one Charlie Davies. <laughs> only one Charlie Davies. You got no, you got no name for us. Got nothing. I, I, I would love to say there's somebody who who had your pace, yeah, be and like, your ability, and the your finishing hero. ability of Ricardo Pepe, the uh, yeah, give us, give us your of, uh, Jesus Ferreira, <laughs> the, the left foot of uh, the left foot of uh, Luca De La Torre. I, um, I, I had a little bit of everything, to, to be honest. Um, I guess with pace, it would be Wea, Team Wea mm-hmm. uh, of the front three. Charlie's going to give himself 99, 99 <laughs> FIFA, uh, FIFA rating right now across hey, the board. Go uh, ahead. Keep I, going. No, <laughs> Keep going. 99. Okay. 99 I, pace. And I could hold up the ball very well. So, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, there's not a player that really comes to mind. Okay, Lukaku. Who would you, who would you, who would you? Play Lukaku. Who, who, who would you say? Who would you say? No, we don't have anybody that's that had it's, your skill set. Just, your direct. It's just different. Set. It's a it's a completely different type of 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 player. I mean, the the only player that I could compare you to in terms of what you would do over ninety minutes during their best era, because that includes being in the box, includes being busy, running channels, is Chicharito, and he doesn't have the hold up play and things like that. But his busyness, his willingness to do some of that work at his best era, his best time, find the ball in the box, put his head where you wouldn't put your foot, those types of things, where the ball also knew how to find him. That's what I. But but you had more pace than him, things like that. But when I look, when I think about like that type of striker i'm trying to think of who else runs channels anymore who else starts if i, press if I had to say one player that uh i think we had a lot of co- things in common it'd be uh sergio guerrero yeah in terms of being yeah i could see that short a uh, striker yeah. can can has good acceleration can can beat people on the dribble uh good hold up play that was one player that i'm always like ah oh, like that that's the kind of guy that i got to watch and and try and you know take a lot from his game because when I was w- growing up, I always watched Thierry Henry and Ronaldo phenomenal. Those two players had it all. Right. And so I just tried to take as much as I could. Those are, those are the ultimate goats for me. And so, um, I knew when I was coming up, I was all about pace. That was acceleration pace. I'd have chances. And there's uh, Charlie Davies you, is the LeBron James of soccer. Do you, do you, do you remember, uh, were you ever at one of those um, milk cups, Heath? Yeah, I was at a milk cup. Were you were you there with Thomas Rongan, the first one with like mm, Stu and? No, no, because I would have been eighty uh, fours and and then okay, I did one with eighty fours, eighty fives with Gelnovich, and that was it. Okay, I did one with the first. I did two. The first one with Thomas Rongan. It was the older group, and I must have had the most chances of all time, and just couldn't finish for my life. And it took me a couple years to finally mature with with my finishing, and and then, you know, it, like he said, everything kind of came to a point where all the training, all the extra training, all the competition, the confidence, 
finally came together. I won the trust of Bob Riley, but also more importantly of, of the players, of the teammates that they were like, okay, he's that guy. We can, whoever in trouble, dump it into the channel and Chuck's got it. Right. So I, I hope that there's a player in this pool that, that just comes out and is like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's the guy who can, who can kind of do it all, who can play with one as one striker, who can be uh, playing a two striker system. But that puts even more guilt on me because I always think, man, I really screwed up. <laughs> the, the, so, the, so question here then Zimmerman, Wea, and Jedi Robinson versus us three. Oh, come on. Three. In our pe- in our peaks, who wins? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm betting on Is us. That, yeah. 100%. What? Yeah. That's not even a that's not even close. <laughs> that's what I love to hear. That's not even, close. not even close. They oh. wouldn't even put they wouldn't even put they wouldn't even put odds on that. They wouldn't put odds on that. <laughs> they, they, would. they would throw yeah. it out. They yeah. say, throw, no. <laughs> no. Disregard that one. That's amazing. Okay, cool. Next question. Uh, how many games have we all played together in the game for the U.S.? This is from Dave on Twitter. It, so do you already know the number? I don't know the number. No, I don't know it either. I mean, we've been on. Uh, that's, Gold, Cup, go right? to, Gold Cup in Seattle, that game against Granada. I didn't, didn't I, I didn't I didn't play. No, he was saving me for another game. And Charlie, did you leave out? You played two games. So what was the second game? We were Jimmy, played, we played Honduras. We played Honduras in DC. Honduras in DC. I was nope. in the stands for that one. I didn't I wasn't in the 18. And we played Haiti in Foxborough. Yes, we did that one together. Okay. I was captain. I, that, I was captain that day. No, I don't goal. I don't think uh, wait, when we scored late to to yes, avoid yeah, Mexico Stu, scored. Stu, Stu scored yeah. that goal lasso. Were you I, on the field? I don't I think I came in the second half. Jay Heaps was remember when Jay Heaps got chopped up in the corner in that one? Yeah, he did. And then, <laughs> uh and uh, that, wait, wait, is that two consecutive look, that's shows? Two yeah. straight Heaps for Jay Heaps. Hey, that was God. in his home stadium. You oh I, I you got God. you got to catch wow. heat for that. They what? had a banger I, in that I game, gave, but I also gave him some heat for that. But Luis he, he Robles, doesn't... I think, got beat on the second post on on one of those ones as well. Hey, uh, stop stop get, getting these guys God, with just strays, throwing. Man. Like, literally, literally. <laughs> well i remember i was on yellow card trouble so i didn't play that game and i think i may have come in but 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 i don't know i'm trying to think of i i i distinctly remember being on the field when that goal celebration happened so let me i'll, I'll check it out that might be the only one but i i know i definitely I mean, we, didn't we were in camps game. together we were on rosters together but in terms of us being on like copa america as well but but i don't know if we were all on the field at the same time which is kind of sad now because i feel like we would have won every single game that wait wait that we're, we're, copa america versus Colombia. I didn't play that game. Oh my god, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. This is wild. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I didn't play that game either, guys. We don't I don't think we have a game together. WT Natives give me a hard time. He was saving me for another one. He was. He was <laughs> yeah, trying to yeah, rotate yeah. the squad. I can't believe Jimmy's using that he was saving me. He was, <laughs> he was saving me. That's I had a tough time. He told me, he said, said. I'm, I'm gonna save those legs for the big game. You know, I'm yes. gonna save those like yeah. Landon is a starter on this squad. He's yeah. he's a starter on any squad if he's if he's in his prime. Yeah, so, okay. Uh next question then. Uh, and who do you think will be the biggest snub from the U.S.'s roster? Ooh, that's a good one. For uh, the 26-man roster now that's been announced, right? It's not 23 to 26. That's a, that's a really good one. Who wants to take it? Go ahead, Charlie. You seem eager. <laughs> no, I, I mean, oof. I mean, it could be a, it could be a, uh, it could be a, it could be a Pepe or a Pfock or um, I mean, now with 26, maybe maybe less so a striker. So I'm trying to think. Defender wise, Christian Roldan, maybe. No, I thought you were going to say Pulisic. Like, whoa, yeah. dude, that like, would be like it, leaving it, Landon Donovan at home in 2014. Insane. I don't, I, it, I don't think it'll be. Hey, it could like be that. What if it was Kellen Acosta? That would be a huge snub. Something that I would would never suspect. So yeah, that could fall into it. Acosta could be. Could be. I think. He, I think he but brings he, too much. But we also said we also saw the. Uh, I don't Greg, think he's... Greg with, I mean, Acosta's playing sparingly right now, uh, with the national team and he can a week out at LAFC and they're the best true. team. In the I mean, he didn't, he didn't start. Uh, I, 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 don't I don't know if he started that. last weekend, but yeah, I, I, um, I'm just, I'm just saying like players that you start to, because we always know there's going to be players that are along for the journey. They play a really big role. Mm-hmm. Legit is one in Greg's time that played a really big role for Greg over his development of this team. And then has been phased out with the emergence of Luca De La Torre. And I think we're past the, like somebody else emerging and pushing someone else out. I think they would be a late addition, but in terms of snub, it's hard. I mean, De La Fuente, uh, Michael saying uh, uh, in the chat, that one's hard because he's just not playing enough to 
feel he's snubbed. been injured. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the shout out to David Smith. That was uh, one of his questions. I, I don't know who the snub is going to be. I, oh, assume... it, it, I get it. I, I got it. Ethan Horvath or Sean Johnson. Like I, I think that would probably be the, the snub. I mean, because center back, you're not really snubbing anybody of, of the options there. You know, maybe there's a Yedlin or a Reggie Cannon snub that surprises people. Um, right. mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it depends on your perspective of what you yeah. think. I mean, if if you think it's going to be Greg leaving home one of his, his you know, one of yeah, it's not going to be a Landon Donovan. Guys. It's not going to be a Landon right, Donovan right. left right. off the roster type of Yedlin, snub. Though, it'll Yedlin, be a bubble. It'll be a bubble player that is a divided room in terms of like, should they bring them or should they bring somebody else? There's nobody that I think fundamentally would be like, man. Maybe, maybe if you're looking at the Ariola or Roldan or Jordan Moore, somebody that that I think has shown value, but it's it could maybe be considered a snub. But at the same time, I don't think there's one hot take. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe we're missing not yet. I think there might be. Maybe it's the reverse. It's not going to be the biggest snub. It's going to be the biggest surprise that ultimately makes the team. And I think mm-hmm. because the roster has been expanded from 23 to 26, it yeah, gives like, Greg like Josh Sargent. Yeah, like Josh Sargent. That would be like a surprise, you know. Right, coming I mean, out of nowhere. Daryl DK, yeah. Sargent, um, you know, maybe a Matthew Hoppy too, because these guys are on the outside looking, hoping, hoping to look in. It and it has to come down to performance, right? Playing and 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 performance. So man, I was those, excited those about Hoppy. Hoppy was uh, one that Hoppy I was, was like, their biggest you know. dark horse. Then this is from CJ to make the roster. I still think there might be a late shout for Eric Williamson from the Timbers before he got hurt. He was on the gold cup roster. You could see his value. I thought he was actually really gonna, too deep. I know, but I thought maybe he was going to push Acosta for that. And, and mm-hmm. I don't Think know. That's just the Delatore, Delatore, Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams. What's yeah, yeah, it's too yeah. deep. Yeah. Unison okay, what about Brandon Vasquez or Abobase, like, like we've talked about? I mean, I think if they're, late, if they're playing late, well and scoring addition, goals. You hit 20, 18, 17 to 20 goals by, by the time you're, you're going. I don't I see. Gotta, I, I don't see them going. Interesting. So, well, who's your biggest dark horse then, Charlie? Biggest dark horse will be Daryl DK, uh, Jordan P. Folk, or Josh Sargent, or okay, Matt so Hoppe. One of those strikers. Yeah, I think that's where the dark horse is coming from. Because everywhere else is pretty stacked. Maybe, maybe like a Mark McKenzie at center back. Right, dark a center back option potentially. Um, it could be a Mihailovic. It could be a dark horse. A Georgie Mihailovic is a good shout. Just because he has a little bit of that something where he can play between the There's lines. There's something Greg likes about him too, but he's just got to stay fit and and mm-hmm. and and get back to peak form. And maybe he's got a shot for that final camp, and then you know impress there. But I don't know. It's always hard. Final camps I always feel like they're almost decided anyway. Um, but at least that's all right. I, so at least that's what so I felt. <laughs> now speaking of final camps, let's get to our final question of the show, and I think it's a good one to end on, and we appreciate all of your support and all the questions that yeah, are coming. Yeah, I, like, I like this type of show. Yeah, I do as well, because mm-hmm. we're all over the place, and there's, it, it, it's great, because then we can kind of figure out fun ways to tie it all together. Would any of you yes. make the current roster? That's the question from Will right now. Would any of us make the current roster? Come I'm going to say that I would be knows. in the yeah. conversation for sure, because when Miles yeah. Robinson dropped... You're gonna need, you know, uh, especially at at peak Jimmy. Well, you gotta you gotta compete against Jimmy's a dark horse. Jimmy Jimmy just gave himself the dark horse. I gave myself the dark horse now. I mean, I I, yeah, my clone. It'd be me versus my clone, uh, Walker Zimmerman. Except I'd be minus uh, the headband. So so, and not the I wouldn't have any Thor. Thor, yeah. No, I think I would be in the conversation for sure. Charlie would be in the conversation for sure. Conversation? Are you out of your mind? I'm just kidding. Fine. Charlie would be. Charlie probably be our starting number nine. And and. Keith there's not two yeah there's not two left backs in the national team right now there hasn't yep. been at least for 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 us you could you could say Keith walks uh, in. Bornstein and I are were both crap if you want to but at least there's two uh, <laughs> at least there was two yeah. competing for that spot and there was, yeah. there was nobody else saying that cuz he wants to think of Bornstein and crap yeah. together but, 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 in those words we're we're all we're all on the 26 yeah we're i, I think 26. so too yeah i i'd be in the 30 and then left out uh, <laughs> Johnny Bornstein would be brought in as the dark horse, uh, <laughs> and then maybe Johnny. Todd Donovan, and then you. Heath, I think. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think is how it Ramiro would go. Corrales. Yes, oh, everybody geez. but Heath. Everybody yeah. but Heath. All right, everybody. That is our episode today. We'll do another mailbag soon because we felt like this was a wild success. So we appreciate your support again. Make sure you hit like and subscribe and all those good buttons as yes. we want to continue to build this community leading into the World Cup this winter. Lots to talk about, of course. 
And we'll get into all that type of stuff next week. So thank you for listening and watching In Soccer We Trust. On behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Charlie Chuck, Mac and Davies, and Hollywood Heath Pierce. I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad saying have a great weekend. Enjoy your 4th of July. If you're in any other country, just enjoy your weekend overall. And we will see you next time. Later. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.